What it do you in the building and you're listening to Mud Talk with your boy Coach T. Welcome back, Mud Talk family. Let's just say that, man. Uh, your boy had to take a sabbatical for various different reasons. I, I know we're human, right? And because of that, we all have moments where we just need a break. Um, I'm not even sit, about to sit up here and come on here and give you guys this long list of reasons why I needed a break. But I definitely needed a break from a lot of different things, had a lot of different things going on. But I'm healthy. My family's healthy. My family's safe. Um, you know, mentally, I'm great. And I just wanted to get on here today and get back to it, man. I have that fire lit under me again. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to um, get my message out to the world as it pertains to the different topics that we discuss on this podcast from sports, family, um, you know, real life. Uh, inspiration, motivation, um, you know, and, and of course, got to talk a little bit of fashion here and there. But for the most part, today's episode, I really wanted to dig into a topic that has come up every year as long as I've been alive. And that's, you know, talking about kids getting paid in sports. But for whatever reason, now that's legal, right, which I think is a great thing for for amateur athletes, college athletes to get paid playing the game that they love, the game that they spent their whole lives training and practicing and studying and, and pouring everything they have into to actually get an opportunity to make money without having to go professional to get a check. And so because of that, I'm extremely happy. But why isn't everyone else happy? Mainly the coaches that are making 10 figures, nine figures, eight figures, seven figures. You know what I'm saying? Like there's a lot of extremely rich people that are angry, that are coaching this game. I don't know why, but let's get into it today. But before we do that, you know we got to get a word from one of our sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by gingerbrand.com. Go to Gingerbrand for all your premium quality streetwear needs. Right now, I'm rocking my super dope, super comfy, all black Gingerbrand t-shirt. And it's really cool, man, because it actually has a Bible verse right on the front of it. It reads 2 Corinthians 9 and 6, which is right up my alley, man, if you know me. That's awesome, man. So shouts out to the owner of Gingerbrand for getting this out to me. It actually shipped really quickly. It arrived here at my house a lot a lot sooner than I thought it would get here. You know, you can find them on Instagram at gingerbrand underscore. That's at J-E-N-G-E-R brand underscore. If you're on Twitter, go give them a follow at C-O Ginger. Or just go to the website, man, at gingerbrand.com and check them out. He has a ton of different streetwear from jogging suits to hoodies to you know, sweatshirts and t-shirts, man, all the kind of stuff that I like to rock. And I'm sure you guys like to rock, man. Shout out to Ginger Brand from the soil, a brand you can believe in, embracing uniqueness, gingerbrand.com. It's 2022. And today we're looking at a lot of different changes that are taking place every day. When you look at the world of amateur sports and amateur athletes, a lot has changed since I was in high school, you were in high school, uh, my parents were in high school. It, it doesn't matter how long ago it's been since you left high school, a lot has changed. With NIL having officially one year, I would say, under their belt right now, and a lot of you may be listening like, hey, what is, what is NIL, uh, name, image, likeness? Players are able and allowed 
to make an uncapped amount of money off of their name, image, and likeness. Now, colleges have been doing this for years. I mean, since the beginning of existence. I mean, since college sports first started, since they first created a team store, since they first decided um, that they would highlight this athlete or that athlete as a reason for you to purchase a ticket to come and see this athlete play or for you to designate time in your day to actually sit down, cut the TV on and actually watch this athlete play. Colleges have generated millions, billions of dollars off of children, um, 17, 18, 19, 20 year old kids. And little has been said to them about being wrong for doing so. But every time a kid was caught making money under the table, whether that was, you know, USC years ago where, I you know, there are a lot of different things happen. Of course, there was different players involved, but, you know, there's been schools that had scandals come about where they exchanged memorabilia for money or whatever. It was always frowned upon for any type of athlete that was responsible for either winning a championship packing out the arena, uh, your TV ratings being good with these boatloads of millions of dollars that you're making from these TV TV deals. Um, it was always frowned upon for those kids that were responsible for you making money to make money themselves, all right? And so a year ago, if you don't follow sports, they took everything to the Supreme, you know, Supreme Court and it was basically voted um, or ruled that it was illegal for colleges to stop kids from making money off of their name, image, and likeness. And so that's when NIL was created. Now you have NIL collectives that are being established all across the country, which essentially play as a middleman for the players and the companies that want to pour money into the players, right? So NIL is basically uh, these collectives, they go out and seek opportunities for the kids. And then, you know, if the kid has an agent or whatnot, because a lot of this is still new, uh, they would then, the NIL collective would then pass on those opportunities to the agent, which would present that to the kid. And then they would go forward with their in the decision-making, I would imagine, on what suits the kid best and what they would actually want to commit to and what kind of services would the kid have to provide in exchange for the check, right? But only thing we're concerned about is the check. There's been a lot of rumors, um, a lot of news being just sent out there as it pertains to how much money kids are making. And, and we're still so early in this thing that I think that it's more rumors and more he say or hearsay than anything because we don't know the actual figures. It was told to me. And a bunch of other people, if you pay attention to sports news and you listen to sports radio and you read about sports like me, you would know that uh, there was a kid and I'm not going to, you know, name the kid by name, you know, specifically. But it was a kid that transferred to the University of Miami and it became public that. Upon his transfer to the University of Miami or. Upon the time that he basically agreed to transfer and play basketball, not football basketball for the university of miami that it was because he was he was given an eight hundred thousand dollar 
contract, uh, NIL deal, basically. And that basically sealed the deal for him to come and play for Miami. Now, Miami basketball isn't known for anything. Um, you can do your history. Um, it is an Atlantic Coast Conference team, which is the ACC, which is my part of the country. They're not known for anything when it comes to basketball. They did have a, have a pretty good run this year in the uh, NCAA tournament. And I was rooting for them because you want to see more ACC teams do well in the tournament because it actually just speaks to the strength of the conference and the fact that we are the most dominant basketball conference in the history of college sports. And it's not even up for debate. So when it comes to times like that, of course, I root for whatever ACC tournament, um, you know, whatever ACC team is still in the tournament. But outside of that, based on the facts, Miami has not done anything when it comes to basketball. They, they've never won a championship. I think they've won a couple of ACC tournament crowns. But for the most part, as far as the big championship, they, they, it just hasn't happened. Now, when it comes to football, of course, you know, Miami has a rich tradition when it comes to football. Not, not as of late, they haven't done much. So when you hear a kid making $800,000 to go and play basketball for Miami, it kind of blows you away, right? Like, you know that Miami has the boosters. They have um, a, a, a big alumni base with plenty of money. And uh, just like any other major Power 5 school, they can reach into this pot and somebody's going to find a way to pay a kid legally to come to the school. Now, $800,000 to go to Miami just opens your eyes and opens your mind up, right? Because you're like, if a kid's getting paid 800000 to come to Miami, what could a, get, a kid get paid to go to an actual basketball program? You know, a North Carolina, a Kentucky, a uh, UCLA, um, a Kansas, uh, just, just these schools that are known for basketball. What happens when a kid actually goes there or decides to transfer there? What kind of reward would they receive or NIL deal would the kid receive to go there and to play basketball? For me, when I think about it, it excites me because I'm like, whoa, we know how difficult it is for a kid to make it from playing middle school ball to going and actually making your team in high school to being a factor in high school to dominating in high school to actually getting college offers and then actually going to college to play a sport on a scholarship and actually making an impact instantly or over the span of a two to four year period. Cause I would say that most kids will eventually find out if they're going to make an impact, especially when it comes to basketball somewhere in between year two to four, uh, because most kids come in with a ton of hype. If year one, they don't get it done. Then it's for sure. Year two, if year two, they don't get it done because of the way the NBA is set up and it's set up on um, just what your projected impact could be in the future, that they don't really like to take kids that are older. They're still young, like 22 is still young, 21 is still young, but they much rather take a 19 year old kid with a ton of upside, ton of upside and be able to groom that kid and have him, you know, to the point where once he turns 22, He's the exact player that they want him to be versus drafting a 22 year old, then having to invest three, four or five years. And now by that time, the kid's almost 30. And so. The NBA just wants to take younger players 
And so that window of opportunity that you have to make money in the NBA from college, it is, I don't even, it is extremely small. Like there, there is, listen, the facts are the facts. There, there is little to no chance that the average high school basketball player today will play in the NBA and will make money off of that. So I think that's why NIL is so important now. And that's why I celebrate it is because the kid that was a top 50, top 100, top 200 recruit that's going to go to college and get a free education may or may not be a star, but may be a significant role player on a team or a part of a championship team or even a part of just a um, a great season, right? Has an opportunity to make money in a sport that he eventually will never have an opportunity to make money off of again. Now, when it comes to playing a sport your whole life, you know, put yourself in the shoes of a kid, right? Um, maybe you played sports. Maybe you didn't. Maybe there's something else that you poured your, you know, your life into, poured your heart into, right? Growing up. Um, for me, it was basketball. I, you know, when I was a kid, I never thought that I would do anything else. Though I did for a slight second thought I would be an, uh, think I would be an architect at some point in time because I just I thought it was cool. Um, but that never really panned out. But I trained, I worked, I studied, I, I watched basketball. Like I did everything I thought I could possibly do to be the best player I could be, um, to give myself a chance to even have the opportunity to go and play college basketball. Didn't work out. Okay. So because it didn't work out for me, I never got the opportunity to go to college. But what happens to those kids that actually pour everything they have and then they get awarded with a scholarship, right? They go to college. And then once you get to college, you get your free education. And the way it was set up that that was the reward. Your free education was the reward. Now, I don't really think that in 2022, and this is why I think NIL is so important, that the reward of a college degree, how can I put it? A college degree isn't as big of a reward as you think it would be, right? Now, do I think it's phenomenal to get a college degree? Yes, I am pro-college degree, especially if you can get it for free, especially if you can get it and not be in debt when you get out, um, especially if you get it and it's in something that you love, something that you really see yourself doing in the real world. I am pro-college degree. Go get one. Go get two. Go get three if you can, um, especially if it's debt-free. But if you can play a sport, get a free education, and then get a NIL deal. Let's just say you're a mid-level player in some kind of way you're able to over the span of four years make 150 to 200 grand in college. Now, there's a couple of different things that'll be learned while you're going along that process. You'll learn how to manage money, how to pay taxes, how to invest your money, um, how to manage having money at a young age, which is a challenge. Um, learning how to touch money and have responsibility because as a kid, most of the time when you're handed money, you don't have any responsibility. You don't know what it feels like to say, hey, I'm going to put this money here, that money there, and I have to put this money here or I could potentially go to jail for tax evasion. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't you don't know about any of that. So the fact that you get to learn that while getting a college degree, while playing a sport you love, I think it's a win, win, win. Now, will there be will there be some losers in that situation? Of course, they will be right. 
this is like in life. Um, I always tell the story about, um, and maybe I haven't told the story about the first time that I ever, and this is why I say money don't solve money problems. Um, grew up, like I told you guys, high school dropout, uh, been through a lot, just been through a lot. So financial literacy wasn't something that I actually learned, right? My dad was the type that went to work every day. All he ever told me was to save money, which in 2022, I, I realized I'm glad that I kind of listened to him and I kind of didn't because saving money won't allow you to be um, where you want to be in life. Now, saving some money will allow you to go after some goals uh, a little bit harder or, you know, a little bit more aggressively, but saving money for 50 years when you're not even guaranteed to live, you know, to your 70 or 80 is pointless in my opinion. Okay. You know, I believe that you should be investing your money. I believe that you, you should be taking your money and finding ways to make more money. And that's just the life we live in now. Um, the world we live in, because in 2022, there is no, there's no way around the fact that you have to make more money. Because honestly, if you make 70 grand right now as a single, just a single household, just one person making 70 grand, you can't even get approved for a home loan. Okay. And not from the, not for the home that you really want. Like you might can go try to, I don't know, buy an investment property, something like that. I don't know, like some little shack somewhere, but for 70 grand, one person making 70 grand in a house, you can't just buy a house like you could, I don't know, years ago. Right. So you got to be bringing in money. You got to be bringing in a lot of money into your house. And the only way to do that is to find other ways to allow your money to make money, which involves you finding different avenues, different different lanes, different things that uh, you see yourself doing, um, different things that you love, taking your story, turning it into money, whatever. Um, and because of that, you got to make more money, just point blank period. So a college degree alone is not going to guarantee you a salary that will allow you to essentially get all the things that your heart desires. Now, a lot of people are sitting down listening to this saying, hey, money isn't everything. Um, there's relationships that you form in college. There is um, different reasons why you go to college. Um, you never know who you meet. I get it. Now, I completely agree with you. But the end all, you know, the, the reason you go to college is because you want to leg up on those that don't go to college. Right. You were told that if you get a college degree um, that. The statistics say that you will make more money than someone that doesn't go to college. Now, that can be right and that can be wrong. But the reason I think the NIL is so great is because if a kid goes and gets a, a degree and he wants to be a teacher, yo, shout out to my teachers. Shout out to my teachers. I love y'all. Uh, I'm, You know, if I if I ever became president, like some kind of way, I would make sure that teachers uh, I don't know how I would go about doing it, uh, but teachers would have to make six figures. I think that it's mandatory that a teacher should be making six figures at minimum 80 grand a year. Um, the things that they do for our kids are just over the top. And I just can't even um, I, I can't even wrap my head around why they don't make enough money. OK, so if we was to look up the average salary of a. Let's just say well, we can say that the average salary of a college graduate. So the average salary for a college graduate is is a bunch of different stats out there, but the one that I was able to pull up 
is the one that makes the most sense to me and seems the most accurate. Um, the average starting salary for a college graduate in 2022 is $55,260. Now, I don't know where you live, um, but depending on, listen, you don't even got to be living some kind of lavish lifestyle. It's not even, um, like if you just have a one bedroom apartment in the, uh, Charlotte, North Carolina area and surrounding areas, and you want to live somewhere nice, right? Nobody wants to have to live. Listen, you have to, you have to start somewhere. So I'm not, I'm not against starting where you have to start it. Cause I started in the hood. You know what I'm saying? My first apartment, I was right up the street from the hood. And, um, was it ideal? No, but it was mine. Um, but in 2022, you definitely don't want to have to go to college for four years because I didn't go to college and I stayed in the hood in my first apartment. What you don't want to have to do is go to college, graduate college, not not graduate debt free, but graduate with college debt. And now you have to build credit and you're going to get a job that's not making enough money because fifty five thousand dollars sounds like a lot. Maybe it does. It's not. Let's just be clear. It's not a lot of money. All right. So. With the average rent around here for one bedroom, and I looked it up because, you know, downtown or I'm just thinking of places where a lot of young people live. And the average rent is somewhere between, I think, I don't know. I would say it's between 1700 to 1700 and up. Um, 1700 being like some 500 square foot like uh, studio. You know what I'm saying? Now, can you find places where the rent is cheaper? Of course you can. But I'm just thinking of where I see the most young people living at in Charlotte. And those are the buildings that I looked up and those are, that's the rent, you know, that's the going rate. Now, can you find an apartment somewhere where it's going to be extremely cheap and you, you might can pay 1200 a month either way. Imagine doing that for a year, paying your bills. Okay. You have a car. Maybe you don't have a car. You got a car payment, throw that in there, throw your phone bill, throw your light bill, your water, your power, uh, you know, throw, throw, um, you know, if you got cable, if you got internet, well, if you have internet, you got to have internet, right? In 2022, right? You could live without it. But anyway, you know, gas and food and just everything that comes with that, you'll see that it's basically like living in poverty. You know what I'm saying? So like in the end of the day, um, the point I'm trying to get at is if I'm going to go to college for four years only to get out and A, okay, I played a sport in college, right? I was the man coming out of high school. They told me I was the man. Everybody told me I was the man. When I got to, when I got to college, I wasn't really the man. I was just a man or I was just a, a piece to the puzzle. So because of that, um, I'm probably not going to play pro. So what do I leave college with? My career probably coming to an end in whatever sport I'm playing. And this degree that I have that probably wasn't in something that I really wanted to do because I was playing a sport and I had all my eggs in one basket thinking this sport was going to make me some money. Now. When I leave college, I enter the real world with no debt, but I also don't have any money either. And so now I have to go get a job. And with the average salary being $55,000, i am probably going to have to go live with somebody or get a roommate, which probably is going to suck because I don't know about you. Everybody has different living arrangements and different habits and different things that they do inside of their home. And being the type of person I am, having a roommate would probably drive me crazy um, because I'm a I'm a neat freak. Uh, it's just certain things that I, I get up early. This person might stay up late. It is just I don't know if I could do it. Um, so if not, you probably got to go play uh, live with a family member or something like that. So 
with NIL, the fact that if you're going to one of these big time schools that it doesn't even have to be a big time school, because I've seen recently where uh, some kids over at the university, uh, John C. Smith University, which is a, a HBCU, which is local here in Charlotte, was able to get a couple of NIL deals with like Bojangles and stuff like that. So there's opportunities everywhere for these kids to make money. And if you can make I don't care if you make as little as 30 or 40 grand over four years. At least you're now entering the real world with a nest egg of money, a debt-free college education, an understanding of what it means to be fiscally responsible. And now you can walk into the real world and actually go in the direction that most people dream of right out of college. Okay. Now, there are some extreme circumstances. You know, if you're going to school to be a doctor, if you're going to, of course, that process is a little bit longer, costs a lot more money. Um, you're going to need some more financial backing. But if you're just trying to flat out depend on that four year to get you um, get you going when you get out here, if that's what you want to do as an athlete, why wouldn't NIL be a good thing? And the reason I say why is it not a good thing is because recently over the last two weeks, we've had one of the high, highest paid college football coaches come out and not really like verbally say that he's against NIL, but he went against another college coach that is basically, you know, he didn't admit to taking advantage of it, but he's basically saying that we're not breaking any rules by making sure that the kids get paid and getting them to commit to our school. So when you're sitting down with um, these different families, which uh, financial situations range from poverty all the way up to maybe their families have money. But if you're talking to a kid and they've, you know, their family's never seen any money, of course, these parents are going to want to know because of the new rules, what is in it for us if we send our kid to play for you? Because you can't guarantee me that my son uh, or my daughter is going to play professional whatever. So let's talk about football. All right. They can't guarantee you. I don't even care if it's Nick Saban, right? Because he was the coach that came out. And Nick Saban is making uh, $9 million a year. Um, he has been for a long time. He's making a ton of money. Uh, his, it, it, that doesn't even count the money he makes from speaking engagements and uh, endorsements and commercials and the other things that he has his hands in that allows him to make um, seven figures uh, in other places. But one of the richest college football coaches seem to be pretty aggravated that now other schools can leverage their resources or use their resources, um, their money to go and compete with a university of Alabama when it comes to recruiting. And I don't think he likes it um, for that reason. But in my mind, I took that statement as you're against kids making money in college because now you can't just go sit in the living room and basically, I'm not going to say lie to the parents. You can tell the parents that when you come to Alabama, you're going to make it to the NFL. But you cannot tell the parents when you come to Alabama, you're going to make it in the NFL. Because ultimately, that's what matters in the end. Or that's what that's the determining factor. If you're actually going to make money and be rich, or you're going to be out of the league in three years and, be, and have to go to uh, looking at that piece of paper if you did graduate, if you didn't leave early, and saying, okay, now what do I have? And I'm just going to bring some facts to the table real quick because it's pretty alarming when you look at it, right? So 1.2% of kids that play college football 
will get drafted to the NFL. 1.2%. Uh, that's, that's pretty crazy. Um, with all the big time colleges out there, with all uh, just, just, I mean, you name it, man. There's so many big time schools. And to think that only 1.2% of those kids will get an opportunity to get drafted or will actually get drafted in the NFL, excuse me, it's, it's pretty alarming. You know what I'm saying? So let's take it a step further. Like getting drafted, then what? Okay, so you get drafted. Um, there is a, a rookie salary amount, right? The, the rookies, ro- rookies can't make any more than a certain amount of money, right, on their first contract. So meaning you have to actually get in the NFL, become an instant impact player um, at whatever position, whatever role that is, and you got to get to your second contract. Uh, let's just say getting to your second contract isn't as easy as you think. All right. 28.2% of players drafted in the NFL will be retained after their first contract. So what is that saying? All right, let's, let's keep, let's keep digging, right? Because we have this perception that NFL players are rich and you're guaranteed to be rich when you make it to the NFL. That's if you make it in the NFL and that's if you do what's right by your money, do what's right with your money. So um, just the annual salary of some, I think the stats were from, it might've been from 2021. Um, this is the rounds one through seven, uh, you know, the first pick and the first round got somewhere around uh, 18.4 million total contract. Second round was somewhere around 6.9 million. Third round, 4.4 million. Fourth round, 3.3 million. Fifth round, 2.9 million. Sixth round, 2.8 million. Seventh round, 2.7 million. Now, when we hear those numbers, we immediately think that, wow, you're rich. You just said million. Yeah, I did say that. But keep in mind that 40, 40 to 50% of that money, okay, let's just, let me break it down a little bit further. It's going to be stretched out amongst, uh, you know, four years in most cases, your contract, right? Three to four years, something like that. Uh, maybe longer for some guys. We'll just say four years, okay? Uh, so if you take that 18.4 and you, d- you divide it by four, all right? And then you take that and you you have to pay your taxes on, on all of that money. You got to pay your agent's fees on all of that money. You got to uh, you, you got to get the mandatory insurance, right? That the NFL uh, makes you pay for, if I'm not mistaken. Then you have to, uh, you know, your 401k with the NFL. There's a lot of things that you don't know about it. So let's just chop that number in half and say, now this is what you have. Okay. Then you have your actual signing bonus, which is your guaranteed money. The money that doesn't require you jumping through hoops and getting 10 touchdowns and making it to the playoffs and making it to a pro bowl to get. Okay. So that number is not really accurate unless everything goes completely right. That's the only time you're going to make all of that money. So in most cases, if you're drafted anywhere outside of the top 10, you're not a millionaire. Um, and you got to get to your second contract before you become a millionaire because most guys that get to that second contract. Now you're talking about some real money. You might get 20 million guarantee. You might get 30 million guarantee, 15 million guarantee, whatever that is. But you're going to get that up front. And then the rest. Yeah, you got to go out there and earn it. But you're not as concerned about if I get hurt, if um, my stats drop, because guess what? I just got all of this guaranteed money and whatever, you know, the verbiage is in your contract. Hopefully it works in your favor to where you're not losing more money than you're making in the event you get hurt or your production falls off or whatever the case may be. Okay. So every NFL player is not rich. So because of that, 
if a college coach like a Nick Saban came and sat down with me and my son, who doesn't play football, but if he did and Nick Saban was recruiting him in 2022, of course, I would want to know how much money would my son be able to make going to the University of Alabama? Because I am concerned about his future. I am not concerned about filling my pockets, but I do know that you're going to sit down with three other kids at his same position, probably at his same talent level. And there's no guarantee if he gets to Alabama, and he does play. And if he gets to the NFL and he does play that he's going to be set. But if he goes to college and he does what he's supposed to do in the classroom, if, if he does what he's supposed to do on the field and he's able to get an NIL deal or two or three or four or five or whatever the case may be, now he's financially um, comfortable and set up. Um, he's learning about money. He's learning about what it's going to take to succeed in the real world outside of football. And to me, that's more important than you telling me that you can get my son to the NFL because whether it happens or not, you're still making $10 million a year. It doesn't matter. So I'm a bit confused about why so many coaches are against uh, kids making money in college. I think that it's long overdue. You know, they need to bring back the NCAA football and the NCAA basketball games. They're, those were some of the, the greatest video games ever created because you can essentially take your university of choice and build, build this massive powerhouse and uh, recruit kids. And just, I mean, it was just so fun to do and, and to play. And so um, of course they had to cut that out about eight years ago, just because of the lawsuits and the things like that. Kids weren't making money off of a game that their name image and likeness was being used on to make money off of, but they didn't get a check. And so, um, I just think it's okay for everybody to be making a ton of money, but for the people that are actually responsible for you to make that money for you making that money, it's okay. It's not okay for them to make money. It's, 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 it's a big problem now, right? Because the playing field is going to be level where Alabama is going to have to compete with these other schools that have as much money as if not more money than the university of Alabama, when it comes to recruiting and able to, you know, take that money and, their alumni and whoever's creating these NIL collectors, they're able to toss this money around and say, hey, we're going after these kids because we want them to play here at our university. And so um, because of that, you know, I, I don't understand it. Uh, it's almost if the college coaches think or, you know, I'm kind of coming after Nick Saban, you know, here because he was the one who pretty much, you know, came out and, you know, said what he said. But there's a ton of college coaches making money. And if I'm making seven, eight, nine million, ten million dollars a year, why would I care if our university was using money to make sure that we can get kids to come and play here? And it's legal. It's not illegal. There's, it, we're not breaking any rules doing it. But you could sleep at night when you were breaking the rules, buying kids cars, giving their mom money, giving their dad money and, and, and going out and winning championships. You could sleep at night then knowing all of that stuff was taking place and it was illegal. But now that it's legal, it's a problem. So today, I just wanted to get on here and kind of talk about that. I'm, I am pro NIL. I, I want to see the kids make it. I want to see the kids actually make it in the real world because I know the NFL stands for not for long. Um, that's not what it really stands for, but you know what I mean. The average uh, lifespan of an NFL player is somewhere around three to five years, meaning uh, nine times out of ten, you ain't getting to the second contract. You heard the numbers, 28.2% of players make it to the second contract. If you don't make it to the second contract, you ain't getting that big contract, the big money. And now all the money that you spent trying to, um, you know, stay this, this uh, or, or keep this image, right? Because 
you got to imagine most young kids that get that money and they're like, shoot, I'm about to go get some jewelry. I'm about to go get some shoes. I'm about to buy a car. Um, that money is pretty much gone if you don't make it to that second contract. If you don't get some endorsements, if you don't um, do some other things with your money, uh, if you're not smart with it, you will be broke. And it's very, very easy to be broke. It's, it's not it's not hard. It's, it's, it's not hard. Um, just be done with your money and you'll you'll watch it just go down the drain. So tell me what you guys think about NIL. Are you pro NIL? Are you raising kids right now that you want to see play uh, collegiately? Uh, and if so, are you happy that um, in 2022, you know that if a college coach comes to you to sit down with you in your living room to recruit your child, that you you can actually ask that question and be comfortable with it and be comfortable with the coach, you know, either saying that he can't do it or, or or telling you that he can make sure that, you know, around here that this is what our kids make or this is what our kids made last year. And so this gives you an idea of what your kid will have the opportunity to make if he comes here. Of course, the coaches aren't directly paying the players, but he can give you an idea or throw a number out there, right, about what the kids made the previous year through the NIL, uh, through NIL. So um, I am pro NIL. I just wanted to discuss that. I wanted to talk about it because some of these salaries that the coaches are making, just if you look at the, the uh, you know, the top 10 highest paid coaches right now in college football, it's just, I mean, it is through the roof, man. These guys are making some money. And I think that Nick Saban isn't even the highest paid college um football coach is, is crazy lincoln riley um his salary because uh usc is a is a private uh university and they don't have to um you know publicly put out you know the, the contract numbers of their coaches but it's rumored that you know lincoln riley is is making you know or is going to be making 10 plus million a year to to coach a university he hasn't done nothing since reggie bush and matt Leinart. um then you got brian kelly who's at lsu he's making 9.5 million a year then Nick Saban, of course, at nine point seven million a year. Mel Tucker, shout out to Mel Tucker at Michigan State. Um, you know, I love to see the black head coaches in there, man. Nine point five million a year, um, and, and he earned it. Ryan Day at, at Ohio State, nine point five million a year. It, it is just a lot, you know. David Shaw, man, another black coach. Two black head coaches in the top ten uh, highest paid coaches in college football, which is phenomenal. I would love to see that happen in the NFL. We're not there yet, but. Um, you know, David Shaw at, at the University of Stanford, which is a prestigious university. He's making $8.9 million a year. And then you got Dabo Sweeney, who's making $8.3 million a year over at Clemson. That's just the name of few. But it ain't no shortage of money being thrown at the college coaches. So why can't the kids make money? Give me your opinion. You know, uh, you can DM me at Mud Talk Podcast on Instagram. You know, tweet me at Mud Talk Podcast on Twitter. Shoot me an email at mudtalkpodcast at gmail.com. But you know the saying, man, love is free, hate costs. You've been listening to another episode of Mud Talk with your boy, Coach T. We out.